You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers, from faith leaders to academics to artists, to explore deep questions of meaning, questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome back to our show Pastor Tiago Ajais, who moved from Sao Paulo, Brazil, to Santa Fe with his family to serve the Advent Life Church, as well as the community of Santa Fe, and who, since last being on our show, has become one of the co-presidents of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Pastor Tiago, welcome back to our show. Thank you, Rabbi Neil. A joy to be here. Hello to all the listeners. So we find ourselves still very much in COVID, uh, still very much separated from other people, still very much isolated. So during this time of isolation, how have you as a member of clergy found inspiration? What is it that you've seen or heard or read during the pandemic that's brought light or joy or maybe even encouragement? For sure. It's a great question. Um, You know, to be completely honest, um, thinking again now, I was going to go a different direction now before, but now listening to it again, to be honest, I didn't want to read anything. I didn't want to see anything. I remember when the pandemic first started, you're reading the paper every day. You're trying to, Mm. you know, make sure you have your basis covered to make good decisions for the communities that we have to oversee. And, and I remember just having anxiety attacks and, 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 and moving away from books or for reading, for reading altogether just because I, I couldn't process it anymore. I think that's the artist part in me. I was just in a shock, really, an existential sort of, of shock of how things escalated so quickly and where it left society, you know, in, in a two, three-month span. So that's why I, I, I'm beginning there now in this response just to, to, to highlight the beauty it is to go back to literature and to mm. music and to art and to poetry to get you out of the place where where we were before. So um, during the pandemic, Rabbi Neil, we, we obviously, the, that you mentioned, we're still here, hasn't gone away. But during the beginning of, of that 2020 and then into 2021, it was not only COVID, but it was all the racial tensions and issues mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. country as well. So I took time after the initial shock to go back into books that sort of provided me more insight and clarity as to things that as a foreigner, as you read from Sao Paulo, I didn't have a complete grasp on. Um, so I remember picking up a few books on theology and race and, and, and things like that, that, that gave me not only clarity, but a vocabulary to navigate these issues that were just popping up constantly that obviously have always been around, but it just became even more aggressive and and explicit in our society since then. I think about uh, two books that were truly meaningful to me uh, and that became meaningful for our community as I I try to bring what I was learning to them. It was uh, Howard Thurman's um, 
Jesus and the Disinherited. Mm-hmm. And in that book, short book, very, very simple, straightforward book, um, he sort, sort of points out the meaninglessness of religion altogether when we think about the disinherited and the dispossessed and what all of our talks, our meanings, our logics, how it applies to them. So I remember reading that book out in that stage of COVID, of, of reading the news and seeing new events and problems becoming a normal reality, um, even more normal reality in America. And I just said, how can I go back to my congregation and just, just go to business as usual and just like try to read a text and try to say this is the way to go, to have the hermeneutic of understanding that our words cannot just mean things for us any longer. And the way COVID helped, I think, we, you, you get the new Santa Fe, New Mexican as well here, I'm assuming, yeah? yeah? So we get it at home. I'm reading about COVID the first time. I don't know the first time you, you read about COVID. Do you remember that? Uh, I, I don't. It actually. was in the New Mexican. It was in that, was that left tiny column. little column. Yeah. It was like right there. I remember. Yep. This is happening in China and, yep. and, and, yep. and everything else. And the initial reaction is, oh, that's fine. You know, and, and let's just move into right. the more you know, media matters of everything. And how quickly the left column becomes right. all, all. So I think the hermeneutic in, in what brought meaning to me in that, in that, in that moment in um, of 2020 into 2021 was realizing with our community and in my readings that these problems that we always consider somebody else's and too far from us, they can quickly reach us where we are. And to be completely honest, to be isolated from people, to lose a job, to not have food in the supermarket. This is how a large portion of people around the world live, you know, daily. So, those are some of the things I was reading that brought a lot of clarity and meaning, at least to me back then. For, for me, when I when I hear what you're saying, though, when when you're talking about you had to put down the newspaper, you're getting the anxiety attacks. In the beginning, yeah, yeah you're getting the anxiety attacks because it, it's too much suffering yeah. for the human mind. And and I I hear what you're saying about this Howard Thurman book, and isn't the challenge for us? particularly in contemporary 21st century society, that we're so aware of so much suffering Mm -hmm. that we almost numb ourselves to it so that we can get about our day simply because we are the privileged few. And and what's the balance, I guess? (laughs) What's the balance between... You know, you, you see the person on the street and you go, oh, I'll, I'll try to help them if I can, mm. although you have to be sure that they are actually in need and suffering. But, but how, do we, how do we go about our daily lives of privilege, mm-hmm. aware of our privilege, without taking on all the guilt of the world, all the pain of the world's suffering, how do we do that without turning around and saying our lives are meaningless, which it sounded like you were saying, like religion becomes meaningless if it's separated from that. How, yeah. do, how do we as clergy then, you and I yeah. and others as clergy, make our faith relevant in a world of so much suffering? And yet, since we are in a position of privilege, uh, is that not part of it? Not, not that it becomes meaningless, but it's meaningful to us. Well, meaning can become an obstacle. That's what that's basically what you're saying, right? Meaning, um, theological explorations of the world, and they all can become. And you know, we discussed a book with Madeline the other day, one of the other co-president of the ILA, 
uh, Embracing Hopelessness, another mm-hmm. phenomenal book that I've been reading. And, and in the book, he argues that hope, even biblical, religious hope, can become also a numbing factor to deal with the suffering of the world. And just remember, 2020 didn't begin with COVID, at least in the newspaper. It began with fires in, in Australia, yep. in, in, in Syria, children dying of cold in the middle of civil wars and things like that. So it was just horrible. It was just, you're right. I mean, the overwhelming sense of suffering and our privilege of having the choice to say, you know what, let me let me move away from this and let's just find meaning that applies to us. Those are the hard questions. I mean, how do we go back to our congregations after everything that we have seen in the previous two years to do our job in a way that is that that doesn't eliminate the guilt because I, at least personally it will always be there. Right. But at least that is honest about that guilt. And I don't think I have an answer for that. I don't think – I think that even the search for balance is another privileged way of having to numb ourselves away from everything else. So there is no balance. Mm. To some extent, there is no, no hope. And I think this – let me just put it this way. The, the one, one of the things that offends me the most in looking at – that offends me the most looking at social media is people asking religious leaders or religious people to be balanced in a time of unbalanced. That's offensive. I've, I've never seen that. Well, I I've see. seen it like in Brazil. It's all the oh, time. Well, we have to be balanced. As, you know, as Christians, we have to have hope and we need to be stable. We need to be balanced because the world isn't stable. Everything outside. So we need to be there. And that's extremely offensive to me reading that. I said, no, there's no, this is not a time to be. I mean, when, when there are black people being murdered in front of you know, people on the street and nobody does it, it's not a time for balance. It's not right. a time for hope. It's right. not a time for all of these things. Again, so I think those are the questions that I've been wrestling with in the last two years. And I'm grateful for books, not because they took me out of it, but I think they plunged us, at least myself and the congregation, deeper into the questions and I cannot say that we have found a, a resolution, or but we're now at least the distance between the left column of the New Mexican has become right. much closer to us. And that's the hope, at least. The good, maybe healthy hope is that, no, the problem of China can really quickly become our problem here. And if that's true, mm-hmm. then what about the person walking across the street? And what about all of these other things that we consider that are not our problems, but truly Yes, they are. They, we are responsible and we should be responsive to all of these things as well. So part of the anxiety in the beginning of pandemic was just trying to do the, the initial reaction I had. I need to help as, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So the emergency shelter, right, I used right. to go there once a week. The, right. uh, the, the, home, the, the interfaith shelter, I would just try to do as much. And then you burned out in yeah, the middle. Right. Of the, so, so there is no balance. You just, yeah. So, yeah. But when you're talking about the the left-hand column can quickly become the main news. Yes. The, the negativity, the problem in one part of the world can quickly become the problem yeah. for the whole world. Can that not also go the other way, though, mm-hmm. that the really good thing that's in a left-hand column, which I appreciate sometimes media mm-hmm. prefers to focus on negative oh, events. Oh, true, true, right? true. But, mm-hmm. but doesn't that mean because of the interconnectivity of our world yeah. that the good thing here can quickly become the good thing there, wherever there is? Yeah. And therefore... I mean, the challenge of hope, and that's actually a chapter of my book, okay. um, uh, which I'm desperately trying to work on. <laughs> but the, the, the challenge of hope is that it can disempower, yep. but, um, but it can also inspire in the sense of if this is good for me, it can be good for others or, or might it be able to be good for others elsewhere. So the fact that I have privilege, the fact that I have um, wealth, the fact that I am able to think about these these things as balance. If I can achieve this level by whatever means, maybe we can help others achieve this and, and lead more fulfilling lives in some sense or, or lives or, that are more stable. Yeah. So 
I, I hear you when you say the world is out of balance. In Judaism, we have this idea that the world is in perfect balance, either between good and evil, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us, each individual person, to tip the scales mm-hmm. one way or another. So I, in some sense, for me, it's not that the world is out of balance, but that we're so precariously balanced. It just mm-hmm. feels like right now, especially because every time you open up the newspaper, there's something else. It feels unbalanced. I'm not sure. Is it, though? So the reference would be my personal experience for the balance or the imbalance. Right. Is, that, is that sort maybe, of what you Yeah, what maybe, maybe. So, and, and that's what I, what I would question for myself, meaning how can my experience be the basis for literally anything else? I mean, just, again, looking at reality and, and, and the sure. amount of people that do not have the basic things that we are having every single day. How am I able to translate and see the world and engage society from the perspective of the other? I mean, that that's right. sort of a huge – and I think now going back to our Christian roots and another book I read by Willie James Jennings, phenomenal author of Christian Imagination, Theology, and the Origins of Race, another book ah. that deals with that topic just for not – because he basically outlines how colonial slave – the, the colonial slave movement into the Americas, how Christianity followed that and how it energized it in many ways. It's just a, a hard book to read, phenomenal book to read. But one of the things that he points out that was one, obviously we can look back and point out the mistakes, but it's inevitable. We're, we're reviewing, we're trying to learn from our history and everything. He points out that one of the mistakes was coming into the new world without realizing that those indigenous peoples had their experience with the divine, had right. indirect connection to place, indirect connection to nature, indirect connect- their stories, their ways of engaging. In Willie James, James Jennings, he makes a brilliant point of saying that one of the things that they lacked was the inability to, to listen. They were so caught up in imposing hope, right. theology, right. Right. Some, that they completely denied, displaced, and ended up violating that 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 so that that's what I struggle with today. How much of where I am is indeed a way to bring up the other, or how much of it actually is insensitive to that reality altogether? So those are the questions I struggle with as I listen to you. I think I, I think for me, and, and I'm aware we have to take a break, but I think for me it's possible to ground my own experience in myself without saying the rest of the world has to ground their experience in myself. In what you're doing, sure. Right. So so everyone is grounded in their own being mm-hmm. in the larger sense of the community, the world community. So maybe that's uh, – but but maybe what's fascinating for me is is how you – how almost at the beginning of the pandemic, suddenly mm-hmm. how the I experience became the we, Correct. the overwhelming yeah. we. And now how do we move back? Yeah. So let's take a break and then let's look at um, what it means lo- looking forward yeah. um, through COVID mm-hmm. and hopefully through the end of it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a break now and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll share about that. So mm-hmm. you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich. From Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe, my guest this evening, Pastor Tiago Ahais from the Advent Life Church and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. We'll be back in a moment.
You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Pastor Tiago Ahais, um, who serves at the Advent Life Church and is also one of the co-presidents of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Before the break, you were talking about the challenge of coming into COVID and, and how it led to those, that anxiety and that challenge of almost wanting to move away from reading. And then you shared some of the texts that you had read. As we hope, and I, I, I appreciate the challenge <laughs> of that word, as we hope to look forward to a world where COVID is more managed, after that feeling of isolation, what will change in your community? Mm-hmm. What, what are the lessons that you've learned? I think you already touched on some of them. And, and what's the role of religion as we move forward? Because I, I heard your challenge mm-hmm. to, to religion during COVID. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that after COVID? Yeah, great questions. Again, um, looking forward, and I do think hope is a good word. Yes, there is a, let's say, a shadowy side to hope that it numbs the other, it numbs our experience, it moves it away. But I do believe we're built for hope, for for resolution, for for. for Longing for better days, right? Mm-hmm. For the sunrise to come again. So, so it is a good word. I, I, it, it is the way to go. And, and the hope, the good sense of, of hope, I think, for our communities is, again, to come out of it one day realizing, at least at the very a basic level, that the experience of the other, no matter if it's across the country, the world, or the street, is not far from my own experience. It reminds me of the amount of things the Bible has to say about the gear, right? The foreigner, the one who is... <laughs> those who are disinherited have no privilege. How Israel back then had to function as a society to provide for those who had less, how the expense of the other was very close yes. to their own, to the point that, you know, going back to Leviticus, Deuteronomy, there are laws not to shave the head. So in, in the wording there, I remember back in the day when I was studying the Hebrew Bible, very close to the, 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 what they had to do with the field. The and pay, there's a, right, the payout to the corners. Correct. So they, so they, they carried in their own body right. their responsibility to the other, to the field. As, so there's a, there's a beautiful, you know, that's beautiful imagery to me in the sense that my hope for my congregation is that we can embody Right. To some extent, our responsibility for the other without thinking that balance is reached just when I'm doing okay and my family is safe. No, that understanding that w- normalized non-balance right, right. and just realize that what is happening across the street, across the country, across the world has a lot to do with our experience now. So I, that's the, at least a very basic Coming out of COVID. So how much from a congregational perspective, yeah. as congregational clergy, you're responsible for life cycle rituals, for mm-hmm. helping the people who are members of your community through life. How much can congregational clergy take on after COVID mm-hmm. to embody the care of the other without drowning in supporting seven billion people? <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah, we go back to just coming to terms, I guess, Rabbi Neil, with with what we are able to do. So will we be able, I mean, even thinking of Santa Fe, are we able to help every homeless person in Santa Fe? The answer is no. I can't help everybody here. But what I've enjoyed seeing throughout these last two years in our congregation is, again, because we're not so much 
tied to fixed rituals or fixed liturgies that gave us space for creativity, for realizing that what if a great part of our liturgy was less what we do together in the building and more just individually and as a congregation knocking down the walls of where we are to reach you know, those there so that our religious life will never lose sight right, right. of the other. And, and again, within a sense that we will not help everybody. But at least our, our religion is oriented, is, is, pat, is organized, it's centered in what's happening across the street, in what's happening around our neighborhoods. Hey, what, what could even be happening across the, our, our own houses in the other side of the room with somebody who might be feeling lonely or suffering? And that their experience, although it makes us feel uncomfortable. So let's mm-hmm. say you have a child that's been you know, fighting and doesn't want to see anybody and everything else. And normally thinking about my own family is, oh, let's just let them be and let's go back to biz- business as usual and, and just pausing and saying no. Whatever is happening over there, if I don't understand it, if I can't wrap my head around, life will not go back to normal until I am there in that world, until you know there is a bridge made. So at least that's what we've been trying to exercise. And like I said, because we don't have fixed liturgies throughout COVID, we just enhanced most of the things we have been doing in the city every Thursday, right. taking food to the people who don't make it to the shelter and right, then helping right. at the shelter. And then just, just – there's a cadence now to our congregational experience that is not uh, based on things we do only for ourselves and our spiritual growth, our human development, which, by the way, that's what we're here for, right? Human development. Sure. Understanding the self. All great, but never losing sight of, of that aspect of life, what's happening across the street. I'm very deeply moved by how your community responded mm. In our community, um, in the Temple Beth Shalom community, I, and this was me, mm-hmm. went specifically the other way mm. uh, in the sense of um, in Judaism, we have keva and kavana. We have fixed prayer and the spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And as services moved onto, um, onto Zoom, mm-hmm. um, online, I deliberately narrowed down the liturgy but kept the same liturgy mm. Almost week to week, but with different tunes, Mm -hmm. which is me being creative as best I could. Um, But quite deliberately to say, as the world unbalances, to use your phrase, here is the safe point. There's the safe point that you can hold on to every Shabbat. You know we're going to sing Lecha Dodi. You don't necessarily know which tune I'm going to bring in, but you could probably guess. It's going to be one of four or so. And so it gives some stability. So it's it's fascinating to hear. There's no right or wrong necessarily mm-hmm. of the differing way how yeah. you explored it creatively. I think we, because we've only got a few minutes left, but you said a phrase which I don't know you realize the, the importance when you said the phrase of business as usual. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about in the last few minutes, spiritual business as usual. <laughs> Can we go back to any sense of business as usual in our faith communities after COVID? Is there stuff that we need to hold on to or is COVID that wake up call to all our faith communities Mm -hmm. to say your business as usual is self-centered, is uh, is is very much privilege, is Mm -hmm. is too insular. What for you Mm -hmm. is there 
Is there spiritual business as usual after COVID? Yeah, uh, that, oof, that's a great question. And I, and I think, obviously, we cannot speak for other congregations. Sure. I would never be the person to point out and say, oh, you have been being very self-centered with your congregation. We have no idea. Right. Maybe that is what that community needed, to have that, that you know, oasis. That because So I, I can see benefit in all of those options. Speaking for my congregation, obviously, um, I think there was one good thing happening already before COVID that sort of created possibilities that are unique to our congregation. I had, I think the last time I was here, I took care of two congregations in Santa Fe. Yes. Since then, they have merged into Advent Life Church, just the one. Right. So as COVID was coming and reaching us and us moving to Zoom and everything else, we had a year and a half to sort of figure out who are we right. as a new community? What what are we about? What What are the things that will, you know permeate our imagination how are, what will be our logics where will be our affections what, what so i believe that we we didn't have to answer your question particularly you said you and, and so i appreciate that we didn't have yet a business right. as usual right. so we had i think it's a great privilege to go back to that word that we were trying to discover who we were and to have covid come in and sort of shake our society shake our city shake the world so that we would begin as a new congregation with that hermeneutic of right. never losing sight of the other in anything we do as a congregation from speaking to praying to singing to eating, that every single thing we do finds an end in the other, in the foreigner. In the, and obviously, we're, we're Santa Fe, New Mexico, dealing with Afghan refugees now. How does our religion, how is it meaningful to them? How can it reach them? How can it bless them? So... I, I, I'm just overjoyed by the fact that we were able to face that that huge of a challenge right at the outset so that we could sort of reimagine who we were as a community based on the challenges that COVID brought. So I think that's what I would say to that. And um, and since then, it's been wonderful. I think a lot of Christian theology is abstraction, mm-hmm. as in any religion. You know, it's sure. up there, ideas, which is great. You know, there's there's a lot of that. You know, th- there is a space for that. But the questions we've been asking is, whatever is your favorite idea about God, about, you know, your favorite holy text, uh, your favorite... My question is always, where does that appear in your life? How does it appear in your home? Where... If you took, let's say that you believe that God is love. That's that's a beautiful idea. So right. let's dr- ride in a car and take me to where that appears in your life. So to make it concrete, to make it livable, to point to it in reality. So... So I think embody, this is, so embodying, embodying the theology in such a way. So going back to where the two congregations were with a lot of abstraction, a lot of disconnection, I don't think it's possible to go back there. And I think right. they knew it. I don't have to teach that. That's why I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. Pastor Tiago, once again, it's been it's just been an absolute joy having you here. Um, I want to thank you again for really helping us reflect on on that journey through COVID and, and help us start thinking about what do we do in the future mm-hmm. as COVID changes, as our lives change, return to some sense of normalcy? Do we return or do we move forward? Yeah. I, I really want to thank you. Well, I just wanted to say that, Rabbi Neil, you're a great inspiration to me and consequently to our community. You have been doing a lot in this city. So just know that among the many things I could list as inspirations during this process, knowing what you do and the care you have for those who have less in our community is a true inspiration to me. And our community benefits from that inspiration as well. Thank you. I'm, I'm very touched. Thank yeah. you. Bless you.
you. Thank you, for Pastor Tiago Ais, I should say, pastor of the Advent Life Church in Santa Fe and um, wonderful co-president of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. It's been your second time here. I do hope you come back again in the future. My joy. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.